Breaking Barriers, Harvesting LGBTQ Stories from the Northern Plains is an oral history project of the Red River Rainbow Seniors to document what it was like to grow up when being out was not a practical consideration. Today we'll share an excerpt from Randolph Mann. In trying to conform and live straight, he married a woman. It was a faithful and caring relationship that lasted 19 years, but Randy knew he was living a lie. Today, he is 72 years old. Here's a portion of his conversation with interviewer Rebecca Gardner. Uh, born in Dickinson, North Dakota, and it was two years after the end of World War II. Would you tell me about your family? Uh, my family was Catholic, and so at least for a few years I was a good Catholic boy. Um, really into it, actually. You know, following the family religion. And uh, uh, the oldest son, I became a server at Mass, which was oh so much fun. Um, you know, you get to put on those swishy gowns and those little fl- fluffy white over things and <clears throat> little tunics. And, and then the servers would go on little trips in the summer, one trip. It was like our reward or something. So that was another time where I started sensing that some other boys might be gay. But back to my family, they were very Catholic. So I went to 12 years of Catholic schools. That I do not regret. The nuns that taught at that time threw themselves very professionally into their work. The classes were stringent. The education was sometimes even brutal. Uh, it was like being in medical school for 12 years at, in some ways. I mean, they were very, very intense, um, much more so than private schools at that time. And so I always appreciated the education that I got. They made me use what I had to the max. They would squeeze blood out of a turnip. They could do it. They could, the the nuns. I graduated from high school then, and as an aspiring gay boy, I went right off to hairdressing school in Bozeman, Montana, and uh, had a wonderful year of training there, got a license, and went to work in uh, West Yellowstone, Montana at a resort salon but only did that in the summers. So I went back there two or three summers, made money for college, and uh, actually, uh, I just could not see myself, I loved hairdressing, I could not see myself doing it for years and years and years. But actually, I, I, I got first place in the, um, entire state of Montana competition and uh, it also was a time where I was my first glimpse of gay community and how hidden it was because at that competition I was approached and said there will be an exclusive party in the hotel in room such and such and you're welcome to come. And I never did. 
because I rested up that night and I wanted to be Johnny on the spot at six in the morning. We had to have our models ready to go at six in the morning. So I'm that I didn't go to that gay party, and then I never went to any gay party for the next 20 years. Do you wish now that you had gone? Well, I think it, I think it may have had a huge influence, actually, because just seeing and being around a group of different men, all gay, to see a little bit of community which I never ever saw for the next 20 years. And that may have influenced me not to marry a woman. Could you talk a little bit now about your college education? When I started working at the resort and thing, I thought I should go for an education. And that was where two things were on my mind. Become a teacher and language skills have always been a really successful thing for me. You know, always a feel-good thing. I always excelled in anything relating to language in school. And I did love teaching. And I started my first teaching job in a Catholic school, Catholic high school, in fact, the one that I had graduated from in Dickinson, North Dakota. That job was $6,000 a year for everything. That included the extracurriculars. I worked seven days a week, and uh, my wife was at home with our baby. Our baby was born before she and I were even out of college. So it was interesting. We have, uh, I have one daughter, by the way. And uh, finally, after about 15 years of teaching high school, I told my wife, I want to go back for my master's. And she and I got an opportunity to go to um, Japan as missionaries under this kind of uh, broad umbrella of, uh, it was an interdenominational mission group called Oriental Mission Society. So when we got to Japan, I was actually teaching English as a foreign language. And that was also where I divorced my wife. I came out to her and told her, no, I am not who I said I was. And my daughter at that time was already 18 years old. And uh, she couldn't understand what it all really meant. But I did, I was up front with her the day after I told my wife. So I was the one that broke up our family. And I think my daughter at first was just really devastated by that. Because we, even the just three of us, we were very close-knit. I was married 19 years. And my daughter, Kelsey, um, really, I, I'm not going to say she hated me. Uh, there wasn't that kind of repercussion. But I wanted my wife to move on with her life as quickly as possible because um, I just couldn't tell the lie anymore every day. That was my whole thing. I just could not do the lie anymore. It wasn't that it was a loveless marriage. It wasn't that at all. It was, uh, <clears throat> there were times of real depth, even though I was so out of my element 
is there anything else you want to say about how you see yourself and how that may or may not have changed? My whole straight marriage thing that I was trying to do was all based on lies from the first day of it. You know, even to the conception of my daughter and everything, it was, it it just it was built on the wrong foundation. And, and, oh, that made me feel so bad because now I've gone back and tried to make real relationships where I want my daughter to know just exactly how much I really do love her and always did. Um, because being a, being a father was something that I did enjoy a lot. Um, <clears throat> but fatherhood probably would have been possible for me too had I gotten married as a gay man to, an, to a gay spouse and adopted at a young age, which is something I probably would have done because fatherhood was kind of important to me. I think it was one of the reasons why I got married. Is there anything else that you would want to share about your process of coming out? It was almost like going to one of these camps where they try to turn you straight. I felt like I was in one of those camps for 20 years. Wow. I did. There was a period of my life I felt like I was in one of those camps and none of it was working. It was just torture, and it was becoming so heavy that I thought I would lose my mind. That's why I had to come out to my wife. I had to. I had to end it. I didn't know if our marriage would necessarily end, if there was any way we could be companions, and that it wouldn't have ever worked. But I thought, well, maybe it might. But I knew I had to come out with come out with it because I was going crazy. I was going nuts. I was just becoming a person that was not real. I finally got to be a real person. Not a fake person. Not a rehearsed person. Not a person based on lies and tricks and posing. But what what am I looking for in a man? I I knew when I decided to get married what kind of woman it would have to be for me to ever stay married. I knew sort of what kind of thing I was looking in a, for in a woman, but I didn't understand that with a man because I'd never had a long-term relationship with a man before. So there I was at age 40 starting out on that road. And the other thing that I would say is the discrimination piece is not going away, is not going to disappear. It's like, will we have perfect world peace? No, we'll never have perfect world peace. Will lives be cherry and rosy for gays and, and lesbians and transgender? And, and No. And even though we may regress in some ways, we're not going to go back to being, to being invisible. One person is not better than the next. And I can't remember, was it Dunn who said, the death of one man diminishes me because I'm involved in mankind? You know, the negation of one person's life diminishes me because I am very involved in mankind. 
And I feel for my gay brothers and sisters who are diminished by discrimination. This is one note I guess I'd like to end on. We can't let discrimination scare us into defeat. So I just hope and and really believe that this, as in this project, hopefully we're teaching somebody something that sparks something, sparks an idea, sparks some bravery, sparks not wanting to live in fear. So anyway, I'm very glad that the project is going on, and I hope this will be helpful to someone. Thanks for letting me share. That excerpt comes from the Red River Rainbow Seniors Oral History Project called Breaking Barriers, Harvesting LGBTQ Stories from the Northern Plains, and it featured interviewer Rebecca Gardner with Randy Mann. It was edited by Prairie Public and is Episode 9 of the Breaking Barriers podcast. The full-length oral histories will be included in the North Dakota State University archives, and it's an ongoing project. If you wish to get involved, you can email Red River Rainbow Oral History at gmail.com. I'm Doug Hamilton.